The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Max Nace. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. I have a, an awesome guest this morning, Jerry Gherkin, you know, an ex-Marine. Uh, but what I like to do, as you all know, audience, is I like the interviewee to introduce himself and let the let the audience know uh, what they do. So Jerry, take it away and let the audience know who you are and what it is you do. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm married about 30 years now, two kids. Very, I'm beyond blessed, truly, uh, with, with what God has bestowed upon me in my entire life. And we'll dive in a little bit here in, in a few minutes about uh, some of the struggles and challenges and the strength that I found uh, in the struggles. But uh, God, I was a wrestler in high school, went to college, wasn't ready mentally. Physically, I was, dropped out, went in the Marine Corps, watched the movie Top Gun, and decided <laughs> I wanted to do that. But I didn't want to be in the Navy because I like the Marine Corps uniforms. No offense, Max, but I just like the Marine Corps uniform. <laughs> That's okay. So anyway, I jumped in the Marine Corps, did four years, was a wrestler in the Marine Corps, did a short stint in Desert Storm, jumped out of the Marine Corps. I went to Finley College to wrestle. Two weeks after I got out of the Marine Corps, I met my, my wife. And then uh, six months later, we got engaged. A year later, we got married. And like I said, we've been married 30 years. I grew up in a small farming community, a very prideful community, German descent I was adopted when I was 18 months, taken out of uh, inner city Toledo, which was a high crime area. And again, God had his hand in that. He put me in a small farming community where very Christian foundation gave me good morals and ethics and, and work ethic uh, moving forward. I met my biological mother when I was 19, right before I was going to the Marine Corps. And I met my biological father when I was 26. He was just celebrating his 25th wedding anniversary. He had no idea that I even existed. That was an interesting one. But uh, wow. got a sports med degree, education degree from the University of Finley. I was married, had a baby, uh, couldn't find a full-time teaching job, was coaching, substitute teaching, and selling suits at JCPenney's and found myself in the car business and took a little hiatus from the car business. A uh, couple years did in the insurance industry, but uh, wildly successful in the automotive sector and currently have a, uh, not only that business, but then I also have a uh, sales training program. It's called the Six Figure Salesperson, where I train salespeople how to generate revenue. Awesome. Well, thank you again. You know, and I want the audience to know, thank you for your service. Yeah. Us, we, we tease, Likewise. you know, we tease each other, right? Cause I'm the Navy or Marines. Yep. I always tell my Marine buddies, I go, just remember you're a department of the Navy and who your boss is. Yeah. Right. And then I, I met a couple. Somebody has to protect you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a couple of big Marines walk up to me and go, remember who protects you guys. And I go, that's true. So, but, uh, but I just, you know, my daughter's in the air force. She's going to eventually retire from the air force. You know, I've got a lot of friends 
And so the military, you know, and I'm ex-Navy, but that's funny you mentioned uh, Top Gun. That's what got me to go in the Navy, right? No kidding. Yeah. So, you know, I was going to be a pilot and I realized that that's not going to happen. But that's, you know, the whole, remember the commercials back there, back then when we were younger, it was uh, the Navy. It's not just a job. It's an adventure, right? So long story short, when I got stationed in Long Beach was literally 20 minutes from my house. My mom even said, what happened to your adventure? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> it doesn't um, happen very often like that. No. And you know what, Jerry, you know, they gave me this dream sheet when I went to school in San Francisco, right? Treasure Island. And it's, you know, they, of course they preface it with, we can't guarantee you. We just want to see where you want to go. So I didn't even put anything near California. I think the closest thing to California was Hawaii. And then I get, you know, the day I graduate, they give me my orders and I'm Long Beach, California, 20 minutes from my house. I was just like, wow. But anyway, let's get into your story. So let the audience know some of the challenges, you know, even in your military, you know, meeting your wife and stuff, you know, because we always talk about, right, people that get are successful like yourself. It's not an overnight thing. It took some time, right? So talk about some of those challenges to get you where you were to where you are at today. Sure, absolutely. So I remember back when I was uh, in elementary school and I always knew that I was adopted. Always. It was just, I didn't think it was a big deal. And I remember I was maybe in the fourth grade, fifth grade, and I was more vocal about it. And I got called into this, the counselor's office because my parents thought that I was struggling with it, you know, with being adopted, which I thought was, I thought it was accepted. I didn't, I didn't think anything bad of it. You know, I didn't really think that there was a bad thing. So I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of kids that I make fun of on the playground and I'm looking around this room because I'm like, why am I in here? I have no idea why I'm in here. Right. So, you know, that was, that was one of the things that was brought to my attention at a very young age that I was, I was kind of a minority or different because I was adopted, which I thought was weird. And so grew up in a Lutheran uh, community and in, in as far as church goes, Missouri Synod Lutheran, I uh, went to um, an athlete's for action, athletes in action retreat. No, it was no, it was campus crusade. Campus crusade for no, it was fellowship of Christian athletes. I'm sorry, fellowship of Christian athletes. When I was in junior high, I was wrestling in junior high, and my our coach took us there. It was Clay High School, and I um, prayed the prayer of salvation, except Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and off I went. So here I go. I come back to school, and I'm super excited, and I want to tell everybody. Well, then I got made fun of and ridiculed for what I was trying to promote because I had a new re- renewed spirit. Right. So I put I put that on the back shelf because here I am. I'm I'm in junior high, very impressionable age, you know, trying to fit in with everybody. And so then I was a good athlete in high school. So I didn't have troubles there much, except I had a drinking problem in high school. I would go out and party with my buddies and drink. And I remember my sophomore year, I was in high school and they had, I was a starting middle safety. And at my school, starting varsity as a sophomore was, was pretty impressive. So the upperclassmen invited me to go to a, bon, a, a bonfire. So I go to this bonfire. My girlfriend drops me off and there's, there's a keg, keg of beer there. So they're like, hey, you want a beer? And I wanted to fit in, right? So I went along, <laughs> had a couple <laughs> beers. My girlfriend came, picked me up and took me to the movie. We went to the movies. I came home the next morning. I wake up and one of the upperclassmen had been in an auto accident. He rolled his car. He survived, but then the trickle down happened. So that Monday, everybody that was at that bonfire got called in one at a time to the coach's office. Oh, wow. Asked a simple question. Were you at the Were you at the party? Yes. Were you drinking? Yes. You're off the team. I got kicked off the team. Myself and the other guy that was in the auto accident because he couldn't deny it. We're the only two to get kicked off the team, Max, because we told the truth. Wow. What kind of lesson is that telling me? Yeah, exactly. At a, at a very young age. Everybody else that was there, and some of these guys were blitz out of their mind. They couldn't even walk. They said, "No, I wasn't drinking." Okay, they got to play on Friday night. I got to sit on on the sidelines, or not in the sidelines. I had to sit in the bleachers with my parents. And so, going back to being adopted. 
And then my, my grandparents on my mother's side really never accepted me because I was not blood. And so now here I am, this sophomore bastard child outcast. We knew that he was going to be a bad seed. You know, all that stuff is getting thrown in front of my face. Yeah. So 17 years old, I graduate high school. I was, I, again, I had a scholarship to, to wrestle in college. I make a USA wrestling team, uh, go to Central America for 46 days representing the United States. So, you know, I, I fly back and you know, the first person to meet me when I got off the plane, it's my grandmother that basically alienated me because I was an outcast and a bastard child. So you want to talk about struggles growing up at a young age. I mean, I had a lot of little things that came up and, and then it did surface later on in life with the alienation and the, and the alcohol. So right. That's a brief thumbnail sketch till I got in the Marine Corps, but I'll, I'll let you interject a little bit if you want. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, so, right, that's got to be tough growing up. I, I, and I, anybody who knows, because I've had friends who, who knew they were adopted, some had issues with it. And some like yourself didn't have issues with it. Right. But then when you have family members like your grandmother ridiculing you, like, oh, we knew he was going to be, you know what I mean? Like, that's got to be tough, especially at 17 years old. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I lived it. <laughs> I get it. You know, and um, so that's a challenge in itself, if you know what I mean. But like the how- one thing, the one thing that as I reflect back on my entire life, I'm 54 years old. And when I reflect back on my entire life, the one constant is that I always had the Holy Spirit and I always had Jesus with me see and that that's fortunately i like to say for you you found that early on right so like for me i wasn't adopted but you know my story of recovery when i even when i was younger i always felt out of place in my family if you know what i mean it was me i get it but i never felt like i fit in so that's you know i wouldn't find jesus the holy spirit or god until i would get sober 18 years ago you know when i finally pulled my head out of you know what and said like this has got to change something's got to be different here but um See, those are the challenges that we all face in our life, especially growing up when we're trying to find our way, like you say, in the world, right? Like you were going to, you know, you're playing football as a sophomore. That's in anywhere in the country. If you start football, varsity football as a, a sophomore, that's huge. Like you become big man on campus and everybody's looking up to you. You know what I mean? That a couple of friends that were like that. They were really good football players. And But um, so what are some of the other challenges? You know what? That lesson, you know what that lesson I was taught when, when I... <clears throat> got kicked off the football team. I should, yeah. I should lie. lie. That was the, that was a lesson that I learned at that age is I should have lied. Cause then I would have been on, on the field on Friday nights. I should have lied, but I didn't, I held true to my morals and ethics at that young age. And I had, I had a, a insur- local insurance agent. He came up to me, saw me on the street. He goes, I know what you did. And I respect you for it. Right. Right. So and that's I, hard I never, back then. I never forgot that. And that was, that was huge for me, you know? And, but apart from God, we are nothing. I just want the listeners to understand that. And if you don't have that personal relationship, <clears throat> then that's something that is very simple to do. It says in the Bible in Romans 10, 9 and 10, profess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Right. You know, and hit me up on a DM if you want to have further conversations about that. I'm happy to. Awesome. I know we will for sure. So did you hear that audience? If you have any more questions on that, uh, send him a message, private message, and he'll have that conversation. Right. But that's tough because, you know, most guys, because we graduated about the same time I graduated in 86. So, you know, like back then football was huge. Like you did well for football, right? Because I had to get a C average or better, but it still didn't stop me from looking where, where the parties were every weekend. Right. And, you know, most of us partied on the weekend. At least I did. Right. That was my thing. Play hard during the week. Weekend comes after Saturday night, Saturday night football or Friday night. Where's the kegger party? Right. Yeah. We uh, go to McDonald's. We go to McDonald's and everybody meet at McDonald's and find out where, what road we're going to camp out on and start drinking. Yeah. That was, that was it. (laughs) 
right um but but i have a lot of respect for you like even having those morals and ethics back then you know what i mean like because what a lesson is that is you're you're having an adult show you that if you would have lied you would have stayed on the team you know what i mean and we look up to our coaches you know what i mean those are some of the challenges that you know we and lessons we learn that we carry on the rest of our lives so what are some of the other things you've learned in your in your journey as a human being that you had to overcome because you said like like for example you learned something and you went wow like I need so to I took, uh, I took a hiatus I mentioned it earlier I took a hiatus from the car business and got got into the auto insurance business and there, there's a there's a list out there if you google it what's the top 10 stresses in life and you know it's getting married it's it's buying a new house it's changing jobs <laughs> it's having a kid it's making a major purchase like an automobile so here I am a big badass marine all-american wrestler and I'm going from working at a job where I was making really good money. We had our second baby, bought a house. My wife quit her job. I jumped jobs and we bought two new cars all in one fail swoop. <laughs> you, went, you went big or went, didn't go home. I went all sure. in, baby, all in. Yeah. So I was like, I can handle this. I can do this. You know, and I was rookie of the year, the first year in the company, but I was looking around. I'm like, they flew my wife and I out to some big event out West. I don't know, some golf club or something. And they pull me up on stage, standing ovation, rookie of the year. And I'm like, where's the money? And so I'm talking to my general agent. And he's like, well, you got to be in the business for, you know, five or six years, get some business. I said, I don't have five or six years. I said, dude, I got a mortgage. I got cars. I got kids. I got a wife. And I got food on the table. I got to make money. Well, that's when Absolute Citron and I became really close. Yeah. Because selling insurance was, it's an intangible you know, and, and most people like selling a car, you can feel it, you can drive it, you can smell it, you know, okay, get emotionally involved. Selling a piece of paper for when you're not going to be around. I got a lot of respect for those salespeople. So I anyway, mean, that's a big, didn't have, didn't have a, appointments, didn't have appointments. You know, I, was, I had a corner office, did the whole nine, didn't have appointments. My wife had no idea. She had no idea because I was just protecting them. They didn't need to be involved in this. This was my baby. Right. So what I started doing, I was pretty good at cards growing up. We'd always play cards. So I lived in Finley, Ohio. I started driving from Finley, Ohio, because there was no casinos within the close proximity to Canada, which was 115 miles one way. I would get up in the morning, no appointments. I'd drive to Canada, make sure I had enough money in my ashtray to get back across the Ambassador Bridge if I lost all my money when I was in the casino. I was doing that for a while because I was trying to generate revenue because I wasn't making any money. And then I did have chargebacks. And so I was trying to just keep my house together, you know, right. but unbeknownst to them, they had no idea. And then I went up to this casino Windsor one day and it was 730 in the morning, whatever time it was, I don't remember exactly, but the waitress came up to me and said, Hey, Jerry, here's your coffee with cream. She knew my name. She knew what I drank. <laughs> that was, that was a telling point. That was like Steve Harvey talks about, you know, God's going to throw warning shots by you. By one ear, one might clip your ear and the next one's going to hit you right between the eyes. Yeah. So that was one warning sign, you know, that you got to You got to get a handle on this stuff. So I wasn't making the money in the insurance industry. So I got back in the car business and then uh, 07, 08 happened where there was that the recession and stuff. And I mean, we had our back against the wall. You know, Pedro Manessa says in my, in my podcast, I always ask uh, people, my guests, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? He said, put your back against the wall and see what you can do, which I thought was really, really cool. And um, so that's what I was at. That's where I was at. I was on the bottom pushing up. So I got back in the car business. 07, 08 comes around. Nobody's buying anything, but I'm pretty good at cards, right? So Poker Stars Online Poker was available. So I started jumping in on that. And I was playing poker at work all day long. I played all night long. I, I was just playing online poker. And I was making wet headways, but I was drinking like a fish the whole way. You know, I mean, I remember not remembering winning a tournament because I was so drunk playing. And I can also remember 
I was a, a million chips ahead of second place and losing it all because I was drunk. Right. And uh, during that time, though, I was able to generate some money playing poker online to keep my house, to keep my car, to keep food on the table. So that was my rationalization and justification for what I was doing. And that was a problem because that continued to escalate. In 2010, I got a, a job offer at another dealership, which I made twice as much money doing the same thing, driving five minutes away. But guess what? It was no longer a money problem. I had an alcohol and a gambling addiction. Mm -hmm. So I was making all this money, but I was running to the casino. Now there was a casino in Toledo, which is 40 minutes away from me. So I would get up. My wife would be asleep. My kids would be asleep. I'd get up at like two in the morning, jump in my car, drive up to the casino, gamble, make it back home, tiptoe inside. Nobody knew I was even gone. So I thought I had everybody fooled, but I was that escalated to the point where I was I was having to go to cash advances and borrow money from cash advances because I was had to support my gambling and alcohol addiction. I was making mm -hmm. twice as much money as I was at the other dealership, but I didn't have a pot to piss in. Right. So I'm driving, and this is where it comes to an end. And there's a turn. I'm driving on a Saturday night. It's like two thirty in the morning. I'm one exit away from the casino, and my phone starts ringing, and it's my oldest daughter. I didn't want to answer the phone, Max. I knew what was coming. All right. And all that shame and guilt and deception overwhelmed me. I answered the phone and she's like, what are you doing? And I was one exit away. I turned around. I said, I'm turning around. And I never went back. See, everybody has their moments, right? Like I, I've, I've been in recovery for over 18 years now, right? My drug addiction, right? That's why I never even got into gambling because I knew that anything that makes me feel good, especially if I'm winning or, you know what I mean? It's going to carry on that stuff, right? So I love how you had that moment of clarity, right? And it took your daughter calling you to say, what are you doing to make you go, okay, this is out of control, right? So everybody has their, like in your case, everybody has their own path to recovery, right? And it, it, that took that for your daughter to ask you what you were doing. So share with the audience a little bit. So like when you realize that this is a problem, so what were some of the steps that you took to get back on your feet to where you said like drinking's no more, gambling's no more, like, right? Because I want the audience to see how people turn their lives around and say, look, enough was enough. Luckily for you, thank God, right? That you didn't have to lose everything like your family and stuff like that because of your drinking and your your gambling, right? So what was it? What was that moment after your daughter said, what are you doing? Like, what were some of the steps you took where you said like, I'm done, I got to focus on taking care of my family and, and, and doing the right thing? Well, it was, I was lying to myself and, and I, and I thought I had everybody fooled, Well, all along they knew what was going on. They, they did. They just oh. were allowing me to figure it out. And I, and eventually it came to that head and she called me and she's like, skip it. I mean, she was older. So at that point when she was younger, they didn't know, Right. you know, but uh, for me, they went hand in hand. I didn't, I never thought about gambling until I started drinking. So if I, if I remove the alcohol from the equation, I don't think about the gambling and I've got a strong mind. I mean, I'm a, all-American athlete. I mean, I, I, I'm really, really good, but I think some of us struggle with when we're really good and we have that mastery mentality, we want to master everything. That yeah. was my thing. I wanted to master this gambling thing. I wanted to master it. I wanted to, I wanted the big win. I was constantly chasing the big win. You know, I graduated college. I was an All-American and then I go into the workforce. So now that euphoria was gone, right. you know, I started selling cars. Oh, that was kind of cool, but I didn't get that rush. Like I got when I was, and it wasn't even about the wins. It was about the actual act of doing it. So to answer your question, really, once I got that kick in the gut, it was like that bullet hit me right between the eyes. Okay. I just had to eliminate the alcohol and the gambling went away. And nice. I can speak about it and I can I can go in a casino. There's nice restaurants and casinos. <laughs> I don't have to <laughs> right. right. It's no problem, right? Yeah, I just awesome. recognize the fact that I had to eliminate the alcohol because that was basically the catalyst that started the thought process and where your mind goes, your body follows. So my mind started to think about and 
manifest on. And this is what I was going to do. And then I started to calculate how I was going to set it up with my wife to make, make that happen. You know, I used to manipulate her all the time. We would go to uh, go buy some clothes for her, spend three or $400 up in Toledo. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? You just spent three or $400. Can I go gamble 300 bucks? Right. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> she made a purchase. So now she got to let me have some, right. I make all the money, right. you know, that, that kind of mentality, but yeah, it was, it was, all, it was just manipulation. But once I got rid of the alcohol, everything else, and now everything's shifted, everything's going really good. I mean, we're, we're killing it. And my wife and I work together in our business, a couple of businesses. And, uh, but Excuse me. again, the, the center that kept my wife with me was that we made that commitment in front of God. And she prayed for me all the time, trying to keep me, get me back in, reel me back in. But she's always said that you got to make your own decisions. I am not your mother. I am yeah. not going to mother you in this relationship. Absolutely. And I, lo- I love that because that's like my wife and I too. She supports everything I do. You know what I mean? As long as I'm doing the right thing and taking care of the family. And But she's, like, she's the same way. So like, I get it, right? Because that's how I work as a counselor, right? Like I don't let, I don't tell my clients what to do. I, I teach them some tools and then I let them try it, right? Um, and if it doesn't work, I hopefully they learn a lesson, right? And as a sponsor, guys that I work with in the, in the program same thing right i know i just suggest here are some suggestions you can either take it or leave it i'm here to support you but i'm not going to do it for you right um it's so simple too it's so simple on my vision board back here it says do the next right thing yeah we know right from wrong man we know we know the direction it's just whether the risk or the reward outweighs the risk right you know is that reward going to outweigh the risk and 99 of the time it doesn't but we allow that voice inside of our head the chatterbox satan whatever whoever you want to put that voice on to, to manipulate us. And that's why I have this vision board. And that's why I listen to positive affirmations and things like that, because that's ever present every day. That Absolutely. voice. Yep. You got to squash it and crush it on a daily basis. And then if you haven't read for the listeners, if you haven't read Atomic Habits by James Clear, I would read that book because what he talks about is, is those were habits. You know, once I got a, a six pack of Bud Light Platinum, I was going to the casino. Right. You know, but if I don't buy that six pack of Bud Light Platinum, the casino never enters into my mind. So in the book, he talks about when you want to break habits, you make them very difficult to do. And when you want to start something positive or a different habit, then you make it easy to do. Right. Again, simplicity. We drag the simple to the complex as human beings all the time. All the time. That's what my sponsor always used to tell me and my mentor. Just keep it simple, man. That kiss method, right? <laughs> keep yeah. it simple, stupid. Don't overthink <laughs> it, right? And um, yeah. and I tended in the early, my early days of recovery, I always try to overcomplicate things. And then when it didn't go right, you know, I blame, still blame everybody else. And then, but like, yeah, I, I totally agree, right? When I get my mind right, my body will follow, right? So, uh, or sometimes I have to, you know, like we all believe in taking care of ourselves, right? Eating healthy and exercise in that network we belong to. I know when I'm having a bad moment, I can go out and do some exercise and then my mind will follow. You know what I mean? So it, it's just a crazy crazy um stuff that our brains will try to tell us right but it's like like you said like i look i'm looking at your board back there and it you know get in better shape consistency is key right find powerful friends that's something i do every day and you know like you and i are part of the same foc and for what people don't know what that means family of choice right we all push each other to be our best and most elite version of ourselves and you know i appreciate you coming on here and sharing all that stuff with us jerry because you know people some there's people out there that just don't know how to get unstuck and that's why i put this together right to to show people around the world that no matter what the challenge you can get through it 
and you can be successful. Well, like every, on the other everybody, side. everybody is dealing with something and you're After fooling yourself. If you don't believe that everybody, I don't care what it looks like on the surface. Everybody's got some shit they're going through. It may not be right now, but it has been, or it will be. Right. And so exactly. one of my core values is empathy, you know, to understand that everyone is dealing with something that I can, I can be the light in that situation. If I am present in the conversation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, man. So there's a couple of questions I like to ask as we go along. You know, it's been a great interview so far. Thank you so much for, for being a guest. Excuse me. But I wrote a book and I, I, I called it Fearless Happiness, as you can see behind me. Um, I want to talk about fearless first. So what does fearless mean to you? What's your definition of fearless and how does that show up in your life today? So I was thinking through this because I, I think fear is, it can be twofold. You know, you can, you can have fear of failure. You can have fear of success because you don't know what that's going to look like. And I, I mentioned to you in, in one of the emails when we were going back and forth about fear in the Bible, you know, fear is in the Bible 365 days or 365 times, which coincides with 365 days, you know, right. so every day in our life, and that's intentional that God put that in the Bible because every day you're going to face fear. Yep. And with apart from God, we are nothing. So as long as I stand on his promise that he's going to take care of me and God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which is Romans 8, 28, I, I got nothing to fear. Absolutely. Cool. I love that definition. Okay. So in the second part of my book, happiness, I put a Y in the happiness, right? I still get, I always say on my podcast, you know, people hit me up, like you spelled it wrong. I did it for a reason, right? So knowing I put the Y in happiness, what does happiness mean to you? And how does that show up for you? So happiness for me is I have a plaque that's over, but you can't see it, but it's from James Dobson. And what my goal is every day is to make a positive impact on one person's life. And that's a win. So happiness for me is to pour value into somebody, whoever God puts in front of me, conversation is going to take its way wherever it's going to go. Of course, I give you the canned responses. Happiness is I've got a love. I've got an awesome family. I've got a great business. I've got, a you know, but I'm intentional about making an, a positive impact somehow on one person's life a day. And I'll tell you, Max, it's, it's probably more like a half a dozen, if not more, because I just found, find myself in that position because God puts the people in front of me. Absolutely. And then it's my responsibility to, to pour value into them and make a shift in their life. That's great. This has been an awesome episode. As usual, my guests are freaking amazing. I love the guests I've been able to get lately, uh, like yourself, Jerry. So I, what I like to ask is if people want to work with you, right? Knowing what you do and stuff like that, and you have your six-figure uh, sales business, how can they get a hold of you or how would they be able to work with you? Tell them where they can find you. So a couple of different ways. Obviously, I'm on Facebook, just Jerry Gherkin, <clears throat> and then you can DM me there and we can start the conversation. Um, I have a number of, of coaching clients that we just talk I, and I don't even charge them money. I mean, I, I, I just give, give, give and expect nothing in return. That's one of my core values is generosity. And, and I just want to see people succeed in anything I can do. So you can DM me, hit me up and we can have conversation. I'll, I'll throw you my calendar link and we can make a, make a schedule a phone call. And as far as the six figure salesperson, um, sales training program, that is at six, the six figure salesperson. And it's S I X figure salesperson.co. It's just .co. It's not .com. Okay. So the sixfiguresalesperson.co.co. Awesome. So um, before we part here, my friend, thank you for, for spending some time with me this morning. I know you got a busy day ahead of you, but I appreciate you very much. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave the audience with before we part our ways? Yeah, just remember yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. So be present. That's one of my favorite sayings, man. Thank you so much, Jerry. 
for for taking the time. I think the audience is going to get a lot out of this, right? Because we are powerful beings, right? And if anything we put our minds to, we can accomplish, right? I think it was Napoleon Hill that says, right? Anything the mind can conceive and believe we can achieve. And, um, you know, I'm grateful to be part of our network and part of your network, you know, the same network. I appreciate you taking the time this morning of your busy schedule and spending it with me. So till next time, thank you so much. It's been a great time and uh, audience, we will see you soon.